is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Tony Yazbek, and we talk about a lot. We cover his track record, self-worth, being bold and being kind, and having a healthy anger. All of this gets explained between these two parts. I would say grab a notebook and a pencil. He drops a lot of fantastic information for your life. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did having it with Tony Yazbek. Keep on keeping on. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me is Tony Yazbek. Tony, thank you for joining me today. I am so happy to be hanging out with you, Clayton. This is it comes. This conversation comes at a perfect time. Yesterday, Flying Over Sunset announced it returns November fourth with an opening night on December sixth. After this crazy pandemic, uh, I want to talk about that and so much more. But I want to bring it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Well, um, I started really young. I mean, I was a dancer at four years old. I my first dream of it was really seeing Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers um, doing those black and white films when I was four years old. And what I, what I saw on there was, was it just an ease and a joy and a simple, uh, simple way of just being happy and creating that for others. And I remember wanting that right away. Um, And so I just started dancing and, you know, I had sort of a troubled, past and childhood. And so I think, honestly, for me, that was the balance was like, was dance and, and just making someone feel good and happy. in that simple way was like the real balance in my life. Um, I don't know if, where I'd be without, without dance because of it, but that, and then I, there were some others that really got me going like Gene Kelly. And then later in my teens, it was more about like Gregory Hines and the way he danced and his charisma and masculinity. Um, it just, you know, these are inspirations that sort of led me to find sort of my own style in a way, but Mm. aspirations wise, you know, I really just wanted to dance. Um, (laughs) And then things just happened in layers, you know, because I I auditioned for Gypsy on Broadway when I was a kid and bizarrely just got it within an hour of me being at the audition, I had an offer. Mm. Um, And so jumping into musical theater, which was something I had heard, you know, in albums and things like that, like West Side Story was probably my first uh, you know, album I'd ever heard and loved, but it was, um, it was Gypsy that showed me that this kind of community became, first of all, my second family, but, but also, uh, but also it was, uh, the way we told a story on stage completely changed my mind forever. It, it made me realize what I really wanted to do, which was simply just tell stories and affect an audience. So um, it didn't even matter, like singing, dancing, I, I didn't even care what it was. I just wanted to like mess with people's minds and hearts. You know, that was my dream. I have to say you're you're so charismatic when you perform. I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this to you. It's mesmerizing. Okay. I uh, want to I want to understand the very beginning for you with dance. Was this fostered by parents? Was this something that you made a decision on or was it just since you can remember you have been dancing? I have the I have a very vivid memory of where I was in my living room, and um, I think I think especially as a parent now, I look back and I I realize like my son is now the year the, he's the age I was when I started dancing. Right now he's four years old, and and we have to be careful, you know, as parents to like make sure we don't question or cheapen how intelligent and instinctual kids are because 
I remember knowing exactly what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And I remember having a goal in mind. And I remember thinking that was all I wanted to do. And that was at four years old. Um, now, you know, obviously my parents saw that and thankfully believed in it and fostered this and put it, put me through school and, and sacrificed a lot of things. Uh, Cause you know, when you don't have much money, you just figure it out. But um, uh, you know, so it's a combination of things, but I do believe there are, there are times in kids' lives that, um, if the parents are listening, um, it can start really young with what is inspirational or passionate or, or a, a feeling of this is what I'm meant to do. Not everybody is like that. There's a lot of people that don't ever find that, but some people find it late. I just found it real early. Um, and so uh, I was just really happy that my parents believed that was the case right away. Yeah. You, you know, looking at you from the outside, you're very established. And one would think you don't have many doubts in your life, <laughs> given your career. But how have you, in the past or present, ha have you had doubt come over you? And how have you dealt with that? What has been your self-talk through a doubtful time? Um, okay, so, I mean, mainly, funny, especially in this pandemic, but <laughs> even before that, I've, I've doubted myself many, 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 many times a year, every year. I mean, it's and it, 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 it goes in stages, but there's... If you, if you don't doubt certain things or question it, doubt is part of questioning and it's part of skepticism. I think if you don't do that, you don't you don't get to even deeper truth. So mm. I, I feel like it's a natural thing to sort of do that and question what am I doing and why am I doing it? And what's what's the point? What's my mission statement in life? What am I trying to do? Who am I trying to help? Because mm. if you don't ask yourself those questions and doubt is part of it, you know, in a way, um, I, I, what are we doing? Is it just for you? Is it an ego thing? Because if it is, then that's, what a waste of a life, in my opinion. So, um, I, you know, a lot of time. I mean, I question things all the time. Um, but, you know, what helps me through, I have to say, is um, I use these words. I use like a, a phrase like just called track record. You know, I look at my track record or I look at someone else's track record or I look at the fact that like, you know, I, I, I question how I'm going to pay the bills a lot as a family, as a, you know, as a father, as a husband, mm. um, because when you live in, <laughs> when you decide to buy a house in Westchester, it's just expensive all the time, <laughs> no matter what, no matter if you have a job, it's just like, it's an insane amount of thought to just get through the month sometimes. And what I've looked back at is, you know, I've, because of my faith and, and because of the, the hardships I've gone through as a kid and with family, divorce with my parents, um, we moved so many times, we never had money. I look back and I just go track record. I mean, look at the track record. I've always been okay. So there is an amount, no matter if you're a religious person or not, there is an amount of faith that you can have by just looking back. That's the great thing about getting older. Mm -hmm. the, the older you are, the more years you have to look at your track record and look at like, Oh, I've kind of been taken care of. Like something in the universe greater than me has has gone, I'm going to make sure you're okay. Yeah. And like, if it's just simple as that, then I look back and I go, well, then there's no reason to worry much, is there? Because track record wise, unless there's a fluke coming up real soon, um, it seems as though based upon my 42 years of living on this earth, uh, I'm going to be all right. Mm -hmm. And so it, it really does calm the nerves and and faith is a huge key in pushing forward 
Um, along with things like boldness, I'm just really bold and I love people. I love working with the right people. And I always feel like if we just get the right people together, all the problems just kind of work out. Mm. So you don't have to like think so much on your on your own and be alone in that like worry. Mm. You, like it sort of spreads out. Everybody just makes magic and like things happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It's um, that's the great part about getting a little older is you, you do have more years of making it work. I love that. Know? I absolutely love that. I mean, you you put it in such a great way. Yeah, track record. I mean, even, I even just think for myself, you know, when I have that doubt, you know, because you have me thinking about it now. That's like, that's really well right. said. You you mentioned the right people. How does how does Tony find the right people? What does that mean to you? What, you know, what are the right people to you? I mean, there's simple things like I, I you know, <sighs> I base a lot of what I do and how I want to work now with people just based on my mentors in life, certain directors I've worked with, um, you know, directors that stand out in my mind are people like, you know, Tina Landau and Bill T. Jones and people who put their hearts and souls into everything they do, you know, and then even recently someone as, as um, you know, prolific, and she's got bodies of works and Tonys, but it's 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 this person. It's not even about that with this person for me. It's about the way they work with people, the kindness that comes out of them, the grace they show to others. And this person is Susan Stroman, and it it it, it makes me want to work with her all the time. And and I watch someone like that work in a room, and she gets everything she wants done in the kindest, easiest, simple way, and respects everyone in the room. And I just think to myself, that is the key right there. Um, it's something that Hal Prince did really well. Um, you know, if you ask him what, you know, what he, was his, you know, key to success, he'll just say working with the right people. Mm. I don't even think, you know, he, he was a big picture kind of guy. And I, I look at that, um, you know, not to compare myself to the great Hal Prince, but it would be great to emulate that sort of philosophy of maybe your way isn't the best way, but if you get the right kind of people together, if you get kind, uh, thoughtful, gracious, humble, patient individuals who are super freaky talented together in a room, and each person has their own sort of um, uh, compartment to handle, mm. but perhaps you are the leader in charge of making the big decisions. I just don't see any end in sight there. I mean, it's there's there's nothing that can't happen with the right kind of people. And you get one person in there that doesn't want to change or evolve or wants to tear down or just criticize or isn't there to look at the best possible version or is a little prideful or egoy with their own work. The entire project goes into the dirt. And um, I've learned that the hard way. Um, so it's, for me, it's just about getting people together and big ideas and big, big idealistic things that happen can really just happen. Mm -hmm. If you just, if you make sure you're right, you work with the right people. I love that. I, uh, I have a few questions off of that. Mentors, mentors on, yeah. early on for you. Um, who, I know you mentioned some of them, uh, who comes to mind and any standout specific pieces of advice that you were given? Um, I mean, it's tough because, you know, I, I love teaching, um, with like, you know, young adults, kids, I, I, I try to instill things in them, but it, what's, what's interesting about trying to teach what we do, a lot of it, a lot of it is actually getting 
sort of the darkness out of their hearts and minds from, from what they've learned, what, like what they need to unlearn. Mm-hmm. And just based upon my own sort of trauma and my own childhood and, and working through therapy and that and understanding how to sort of like go through life now in the best, healthiest way, I'm, I'm much more vigilant and like aware of the kinds of people around me. Um, Cause I tell young people all the time, you have to watch out for vultures there that want to tear you down because especially being an artist, I mean, you look at like you know, one of our jobs as artists in the world. I mean, we, if, if it wasn't for artists, like where would the world be right now? Honestly, because mm. without art, you, you like, there's, there's just so like, there's just no help. <laughs> like, like, yes, you have things like doctors and you have lawyers and you have people there to like fix things and make sure you're better. But as far as like enlightening your spirit on another level to think in, in bigger ways than, than you've ever thought of, that's, that's where artists come in and, um, and we heal and we give hope. And, um, and you know, what's interesting. It's like when people don't understand that they could be in your own family. I had, you know, a stepfather that didn't get it didn't understand that hated the fact that I danced and was just kind of there to put it down because he didn't feel secure. It wasn't comfortable. It was uncomfortable. And when you, when you have an artist around somebody who doesn't, doesn't appreciate it and, and finds insecurities in themselves for it, they're there to tear you down. It makes them feel better. It, it makes them feel like they have a purpose bizarrely enough. And um, I think it's, I think it's something that isn't talked about as much because is not only does it happen, you know, like with kids and bullying, things like that in schools and out in the real world. And maybe there's a director who just criticizes whatever, but it happens in your own family. It happens brothers and sisters. And, and we, we carry it with us because we're pretty vulnerable people. And we're just like sponges, especially as young people. And we take everything with us and we go to New York and all of a sudden we walk, walk in a room and we're just not as free as we could be mm-hmm. because we're, we're being held by these, um, these judgments and these uh, these fixed ideas that people put on us that we've secretly harbored for years, um, and I, I find that to be pretty powerful. If you can find, if you can release that in young people, it's like they're free of it forever. But I, I find the longer you wait, the harder it is to get get it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I I completely hear what you're saying. Was there an aha moment for you in terms of identity? you know, that moment of being true to yourself, knowing who you are, realizing, you know, whatever negative thoughts you had had been projected on you. Was there an, like an aha release? Well, um, the, I mean, there was, there's, oh, gosh, you know, it's really, for me as a kid, you know, with a, with a parent at the time that just didn't believe it was, um, it's, you ask yourself, am I worth it? Am I worthy? You know, people ask a a lot of times, like, am I worthy to be loved? That's really like the pure pureness of what I'm saying. Like, am I worth it? Am I worth it to that person that I look up to bizarrely, even though they don't believe in me, but am I worth it? Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is what is that? What is that person's sense of worth? You know? And then I sort of figured it out by the time I got out of college and I went on my first national tour and I started making nice chunk of change. You know, back in the day, all the all the national tours for equity were, you know, they were all like maximum production contracts. And right. we were all just banking our paychecks, you know, and we didn't have any rent to pay in New York and, you know, no responsibilities. Nobody was married, had kids yet, really. Right. And um, 
And so I remember, I remember coming home uh, from a break and showing my stepfather my paycheck. And I remember it was the first time he sat there and he said, wow, I'm really proud of you. And I, I looked at him, I smiled and I was like, oh, okay, I'm done now trying to prove it. Cause I realized like all you cared about was me making money. You didn't, you don't care. You don't care about what I do. You don't care about what's, what's worthy. What's, what's, what's worth something to you is the monetary value. And I went, okay, so you don't get me as an artist. And then I was like free of it, but I figured it out. It was like, oh, you just, you like all of a sudden he just went, oh, you make more money than I do. And, and for some reason it was just like, it was like, you know, maybe I had a, a, a sort of a self-assured, like, yeah, I make more money than you do, buddy. Like at that point in my life. Right. But I remember walking away and thinking to myself, I will never need his approval ever again. And it was, um, it felt good because I realized like I started to become who I wanted to be now in my career it was the beginning of like, this is your career. This, this is not for you to make sure your parents, you know, feel good about you or you're not trying to make your, you know, it's like, you're not there for approval. Mm-hmm. You're not there for anyone's approval. Mm-hmm. You're there to do something in life for people. That was the beginning of it. And then the second part was like, uh, I think it was like a couple Broadway shows in, you know, I'd done some ensemble things on Broadway and then, um, I had a, another mentor who's a casting director, at the, um, uh, Jay Bender, who's a huge casting director in New York. And he just believed in me so much. And he said to me, now's the time. And it, I was completely broke and in debt. And he said, you're going to turn down every Broadway show unless, unless it's a principal job. And you're going to just start playing principal jobs, whether it's regional theater or off Broadway or whatever. And you're going to start telling other stories and we're going to get you more vulnerable. And we're going to, we're going to make you uncomfortable for a time. And it scared the crap out of me because I, I just, I, I was offered, I think right after that, right after I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I was offered two Broadway shows in the ensemble. One of them was Chicago, I think at the time, if I remember right. And it was like a dream to do that. And I had to say, no, I turned down these <laughs> jobs. I felt it was stupid. I was like, I'm in debt. Like anybody would have been grateful for this. But it was a, a thing in my, it was like just a goal that was set. Like, you're going to do this. And I had somebody to believe in me. And that is huge to have somebody really believe in you more than possibly you do. Because that pushed me to another level. And, and those people in your life, if you can find them, that really believe in you in another worldly way, it's like game changer. It's like you're unstoppable. Um, so that that was the... The next crux for me, and at, at that point, that was the beginning of what I would say finding my style, quote unquote style. What, sure. What's your style? Who who are you as a performer? What how do you dance? And what how do you sing? And what do you want to say? That's you. Mm-hmm. That was the beginning of like I'm gonna I'm gonna show the world me, you know, mm-hmm. and not just here's my talent, you know. Mm-hmm. Now was that con conscientious? Was that a conscious thought for you? as you're going through rehearsals or is this a conversation you'd been having with yourself for some time, or this was just developed over the next few shows you did? You know, I think so. I think it was, I think it was an easy portal at that point because I'd always been bold because I had to mm. being broke. When you, when you're broke, if you got to go to college, you better get full scholarship, which means you better ask for everything. You better get into the, <laughs> which is what happened to me. I went into a, a you know, a meeting with the Dean of musical theater in a, in a university. And I said, well, if you want me here, you got to give me all the money. I'm telling I cannot come here. 
It's as simple as that. You just like literally ask for it. Mm. And sometimes when you ask for things that are uncomfortable, you just, you can get them. Um, um, but it was, it's a combination of that, but it's also a combination of just, I'm, I've always seeked the truth. Mm. I've been trying to, I, I'm, I'm interested in how science and religion meet. I'm interested in what's out there in outer space. I'm, I'm like interested in all the things of trying to find the deepest truth. And so for me, it was like, okay, well, what is that in you as a performer? You know, because if you're going to play the whole game of just like, let's get a Broadway show to get a Broadway show. Like, it's almost like I was fully re-examining why the heck am I doing this? It was either you quit right now or find the truth in it. What are you doing this for? Because um, I just, I didn't want to cheat who I was as a human being anymore. So it was, that was the point in which it was like, you're going to find some stories to tell and you're going to put your entire being into them and you're going to try to create an effect on people. Okay, great. That's, that's the first step. Now, now what are you going to do? You know, it's like, it was, it was constant need to seek deeper truth um, through it all. Were you finding that in books or scriptures or readings or writings, or was that your own, you just asking the question? I mean, I've always had, um, I've always had a connection with God in that way. I've always had my, obviously like a prayer life or whatever. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm the most religious person in the world because I think that's, that terminology is a little man-made, but, but I, 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 I've always been connected to um, something way higher than me. Mm. And that is the thing that has humbled me and deepened my ability to like have an understanding of, of God. Like, it's just completely like pushed me into a, a, a place that where I'm constantly like working on my character. I think it's the only way you can do that, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think doing that since a really early teenager, I mean, it's just, it's going to fall over into my artistic life too. And it's going to, uh, it's just, like I said, it's just keep asking questions. Right. It's like, why, why am I doing this? And, for me, it's like, you don't have to just ask yourself, why am I doing this? I can, if I have a prayer life, well then just ask, just go to the source, like be like, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get an answer. Yeah, It's maybe not be the answer you want, but it's an answer. And if you, yeah. if you're smart and you have instincts without too much skepticism, you just follow that instinct and, and see what happens. And uh, oddly wow. enough, um, that's what's so fun and beautiful about having a career in the arts is that, <laughs> nothing you can't like you can't say oh if i do this it'll be this like it, there's right. it's the whole thing is a mystery i mean <laughs> networking at a party for goodness sakes you're you're walking in going i i'm going to meet some people i have no idea what's going to happen but it's going to be exciting yeah. and that's very similar to everything in in life as an artist um, um but the great thing is you you know to be able to be clear-headed and to know to how to make the right decisions um, and stay on the path of righteousness and truth and, and finding the best t way to get honest as an artist. I think um, having a connection with God is, has been really, really beneficial for me in that way. I have to ask, because and it's because you brought it up, and I, again, this is another thing. I really appreciate you talking about things that are not talked about enough. Um, yeah. Your relationship with money. Has mm -hmm. that, how has that evolved? What is, is there been much self-talk with that? What is that? What does that look like for you? People, it's so taboo to, you know. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, this is, uh, it's crazy, but it, it's evolved. 
It's no. absolutely evolved. Um, I think, like you said, like, you know, like the song is you got to be carefully taught. I think mm -hmm. that when kids are around something and they hear things when, when you're, when you're a kid and you hear your parents arguing about money all the time, or you watch your mother buy too many things and then have to send them back um, because she has an issue hoarding and you have to deal with, uh, you know, their debt and their mortgage problems and watching all this, you know, it's, it's, it's either a going to make you do the same thing or B it's going to make you want to flee it as soon as possible and do something else. Right. But what's crazy is fleeing it and not doing that isn't really an answer for it. Like, it's not like it, it's not like they taught you the right thing to do. So you're going to do that. You just know sort of what not to do. Right. And so it's like, so what do I do? You right. know, um, and, and I think for a large part of the time, um, I was comfortable being broke and not having money as an artist. And it was fine because that's all I knew. So it didn't concern me. And frankly, character and being a good artist and being a good person to people and a good friend was is obviously so much more important. So I, I never put any value on money, just never. Mm. Until you get married and you have a kid and you realize like, okay, you're an idiot if you don't think about money now <laughs> because you actually have to take care of other people. And, and uh, money, you know, as much as it's, um, important, um, you also have to make sure it's not the focus. Mm. Otherwise, bizarrely enough, you never really make it. Right. So it's um, it's been an interesting evolution. Um, the one thing I can say, though, is when I was younger, I used to envision a certain amount of money as a lot of money. And I think it's obviously because of inflation as well mm. over the years. I used to I used to look at something like if I made uh, you know, ten thousand dollars in in a, in a gig or a big thing or a a certain amount of time, and it, I knew that would hold me over a certain you know a certain amount of months, and I'd be good for a while, and I'd feel great, mm. and that was you know when I had a tiny little apartment and I was single, and mm. and now I I look at that and I and I can multiply it by a hundred, mm -hmm. and I I would probably feel similarly. I'd be like, let's try to make this, this, it's like, it's, right. I think, I think it's a similar thing in a sort of spiritual way where if you, if your heart is set on the right things with money, if you know that you want to make this money to do specific things with your family or to help others in your community or to be a better artist and create like a company or, a, or, a, or understanding of like, how I want to, you know, minister theater to a whole community of people or whatever it is, I think money comes faster. Mm. Um, I think it's the people who think they need to make money to have a certain status in their hearts, uh, um, that which just honestly just creates pride and the need for more money and the need for more money and the need for more money. And you either make it and you're miserable or you never make it and you're miserable. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Um, I, I, I think the evolution is constant. I think you have to constantly ask yourself, what is the value of money and how do I have it? Um, for instance, I've learned this year, especially in the pandemic, whatever I'm making, obviously it's it's tough to even make money, but if I can make money on the side, I put a little bit, I put a little bit away and I try to invest something in my house. I try to invest 
put money into what I care about and what will show deeper meaning over time. So right now I'm like working on my yard and I'm putting new grass in because I know my son's going to want to go out there and like roll, roll around. And like right now it's not the best grass to do that in. And it's like, these are the things that are important in life. This is what you want to think about. And if you can add that up and, and realize like, well, that's, that was different when I was, you know, really young and right. it was 20 years ago and I could afford to be broken. I'd figure it out. And uh, it's, uh, you know, so I, it is an evolution, but I think if your heart is in the right place uh, and you, you're, you just do the work, you keep working your butt off, um, the money just sort of comes. Mm. And I, I, I hate to say that as like, oh, you know, it comes for everybody. Cause obviously that, it, that's a different thing. But like I said, if, if you're good at what you do and you work hard and you don't value money just because it's money, um, I think it, it comes faster to you because I believe sort of the higher up, you know, in the universe, God sort of goes, okay, I trust you with this money because I know you're going to help others with it. I think there's a sense of spiritual trust there with money as well. I completely believe that. I mean, it's, you know, call it whatever you want, karma, juju, energy. Yeah. I mean, if you put That's out right. good stuff, you get good stuff back. I mean, it's kind of, but I really thank you for, you know, exploring that. It's so educational. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.